Welcome to Fashion History with American Duchess. I'm one of your hosts, Lauren Stoll. And I am your musical host, Abby Cox. And today we're going to talk about something very near and dear to our hearts and and our brains, uh, which is our book, The American Duchess Guide to 18th Century Dressmaking, which comes out uh, November 21st. Which is today that we're reco- that we're it's recording today. this? Well, <laughs> that we're that we're going to put it out. Yeah, we'll probably. I think we're. Yeah, let's release it on on the twenty first. Okay. So, so if you're a subscriber, then this will pop up on your podcast feed on the day our book comes out, and we may or may not be running around with like chickens with our heads cut off. We're very nervous yeah. and excited and we, nervous. We haven't have feared. <laughs> but also an excite. Yes. Uh, so we want to give you a little big excite a little background on the book um, because we've had some questions about how how did this happen? Yeah. Uh, what what was it like? Um, yeah. And we've done some live streams on Facebook where yeah. we share each of the chapters and like the the things projects. that we made. Yeah. It's it's the live streams do seem more like they're from our sewing and seamstress perspective and not so much from the we became authors perspective as of today as of today which is scary um anyway so we want to give you a little bit of of, we don't have any booze in our drinks from the book writing (laughs) from the book (laughs) from the book writing perspective Mm -hmm. um kind of how this happened and what it was like and all the different stages that we've gone through and are are still going through and about to go through Mm -hmm. um so i guess we can start with how how it happened in general which is completely random back to to like my timeline within this story, or do we just want to start when the book got offered to you? Um, I, I I think we should do it from both perspectives. Okay. Because back then we did not work together. No. Um, but my contract had been signed. We were about to start working together. Yes. So back in about February of last year, so no. 2016. No. February of 2015. I've been here for over a year. Crikey blimey. Oh my God! My time scale. In February of 2016, we were wow. writing the book. <laughs> so I don't even know what year it is anymore. No, we don't. Like, it's because fashion industry has to work so far. Out. Yeah, it's in our minds, it's it's 2018. Right. So. so like two years ago, um, almost two years ago. Oh my God! Yeah. So February of 2015. Yes. Um, I essentially hired you, Abby. Yes. I hired Abby, um, and she came out for a visit, made sure I wasn't a psychopath. Yeah. I had to make sure I could handle the mountains. <laughs> and the snow and the misery. That was in March. Um, and, and so sign the contract. And But you you stayed on at your old job mm-hmm. for the summer season, so yes. you wouldn't leave them in the lurch with all yes. the tourists. Yes. And uh, Which was a very wonderful, outstanding thing to do. Thank you. Um, meanwhile, I was in arena going, I need Abby, I need Abby so bad. Oh my God, we're so busy. It was so nice to be so loved and wanted. But somewhere in the middle of that... Um, Let's see. It was probably about July. It was either the very... I think it was actually the very end of June. Okay. So the end of June. I got an email completely out of the blue from Page Street Publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren from Page Street Publishing. Another awesome Lauren. Mm-hmm. Offering a, a book deal. And I didn't really believe it. Uh, we get a lot of spam email, but I was like, what's, what, the, what? what's this? And so I sent a, uh, forwarded it to Abby and I was like, does this look legit to you? I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, this, this is, this is complete bullshit. 
Well, I, I don't I trust was, it. My interest was piqued, so I wrote back to to Lauren Knowles, and I was like, "Ooh, okay, you know, uh, what do you have in mind?" And it turned out to be a legitimate book deal. Um, what Page Street Publishing does is a small publishing company that is part of Macmillan, so a kind of a subsidiary. And Macmillan's its huge distributor mm-hmm. internationally. All of your textbooks, y'all. Yeah, and they do how-to books, and they look for bloggers that have good followings Mm -hmm. um, that are, I think, already writing tutorials or writing in a way that would transfer to a book, taking decent photos and whatnot. And then they offer them book deals (laughs) out of the blue. It's like, hello, surprise, Merry Christmas. So a lot of what they do are cookbooks, but they have some really interesting titles. Fun Lego ones. Yeah, like Lego projects, or um, one of my favorite ones is, is the... Is it tarot, WTF? Yeah, it's like... A, it's a tarot cookbook, like how to cook with tarot. No, it's what what the... it's Sorry, guys. What the bleep is tarot and how do I use it? It's not about cooking. It's about reading tarot cards. <laughs> no, wait. It's about tarot the food. Okay, it shows you what we know. Um, it's T-A-R-O-T. That's tarot is in the tarot deck of cards. I am so disappointed now. It's not about the root. I was, I was, <laughs> okay, let's get to the root of this. I thought it was, anyway. Other titles by Pastry Publishing. <laughs> How to be a redhead. Um, you know, the, the paleo diet cookbook and that, that kind of thing. Yeah, they have some like cool like Asian noodles and a lot of paleo and vegan and how to cook with Yeah, and they're roots beautiful and, and books. Yeah, It's really well laid out and all that. So, but ours is the first. We think. Uh, from what we can I tell. I think it's the first sewing book that they've ever done. It's not the first textile craft because there is a crochet knitting book yes. that came out yes, a, but, a year or two ago. But there, there's there's not like a here's how to sew shit together. No. So uh, <laughs> we had some challenges <laughs> with that. Anyway, to back up. Yeah. To back up. They offered this book deal. Uh, we decided to collectively to accept it. Knowing mm-hmm. it was going to be a lot of work, especially looking at the timeline. Yeah. Um, but you, you did have a phone meeting with the editor and the publisher. I think I it, did. Yeah. It, it must have been, again, like at the end of June and early July because. Yeah, it was before you started. It, yeah. Out. And you just like told me, like, so here's what happened. And I was like, oh my God. They clarified <laughs> it, like the timeline, uh, which we're going to talk a lot more about later yeah. on. The timeline, uh, expectations. Um, I mean, the the payment came up in there, but honestly, if you want to make a lot of money, writing books is not really the way no. to do it. <laughs> Unless you're like George R. R. Martin, but even then, it's kind of like, well, he did become the executive producer of one of the most incredible TV shows of all time, and one of those probably pays a lot more than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we we kind of looked at it. From the business perspective, I looked at this as mm-hmm. an opportunity to supplement our product lineup. So we, we mm-hmm. produce shoes, which fill this gap in the market for historical customers. It's something you can't really make yourself. But all along the way from before the shoe company, I wanted my blog when I started it to be about information, to be about mm-hmm. helping people. Yeah. And both discovery. of our blogs. Yeah. No, my blog was not the reason when we got the book deal. <laughs> <laughs> it was all your blog. But yeah, it's like we started blogs to to share. and Yeah, our, our findings and our mistakes and the results of all of that. And over the years, between the two of us, we've built up this huge amount of information. Uh, I mean, it's what is the collective like twenty years of of experience? I hate yeah. when people put things that way because it's it's not actually twenty years. No, but it sounds impressive though when we do. Yeah, <laughs> but the different <laughs> avenues that we took to come to all of these 
things that we know and that some we have discovered independently of each other and some Mm -hmm. we've taught each other. Mm -hmm. So the time seemed really right. Some things we bickered with. Oh, totally. The time seemed right to write, to produce a a book. And then it was like, well, what's the book going to be about? Mm -hmm. Obviously, it needs to be 18th century, but Mm -hmm. in what form? Yeah. Uh, So... Page Street Publishing does how-to books, and they wanted things to be project-based. Yeah. That's not the first uh, outline that we wrote, though. Well, well, I remember when you told me about your phone conversation with the editor and the publisher, and you were talking about, like, the Rogue Volant and other things about how to, like, create them from scratch. And, like, I just went into full-blown panic mode because I just was so terrified of the idea of trying to put that onto paper that it made me want to pee myself a little bit. <laughs> I was just like, how can we? This is really hard to explain. Like, da 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 da. Well, it was like, and then it was still hard to explain. Yeah, what we ended up doing. It's, yeah, it's like we did a, a very interesting variation, obviously with no rope volant. But sorry, guys, no rope volant for you. <laughs> I know you. Like all three of you were oh, darn. so disappointed. Um, but yeah, like when we started working on the table of contents, it it, it was changing to make it more easier. For Kind of. Well, the first, the working title was A Girlfriend's Guide to the Mm -hmm. 18th Century. (laughs) And it it was about, it was more like a supplementary, this very first, very, very rough outline, Mm -hmm. supplementing and bringing together information um, from various sources that have existed for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But the publishers actually didn't like that that idea. They wanted projects. Yeah. We knew how much work was involved. Oh, man. um, But. In the end, I'm, I'm glad that we did do that yeah. because we still got to bring together all that information mm-hmm. from all these different sources and viewpoints mm-hmm. and yada yeah. yada. I think maybe we should clarify that a little bit more. I, I think the book, since it's gone through so many different variations of itself, and I think by the time we were actually done with the table of contents, we had gone through six variations very, very quickly. And even then, once we submitted the manuscript, it, it still evolved after the fact. Yeah. So our original intent with this book was to come at it from a costumer's perspective and come at it from what resources do I have available to me as just an average costumer? What's in my what's on my bookshelf? What can I find? What's what patterns and ava- what information is available to me? So we didn't want to start it with a necessarily from scratch perspective. We wanted to come at it from Okay, well, we have Nora Waugh, and we have Dana Arnold, and we have these online patterns from from the National Museum in Denmark, Tiden Show, or LACMO, or something like that. Start with those, and then build from there. Yeah. And that was the original intent, was to try and take something that you already have available to you, and then break it down for you, so you can build off of things like Dana Arnold. Sure, and, and also the idea that we want... To, we, well, we want people to use, as Abby said, the patterns that are available. And that's not just gridded patterns. It no. could be printed patterns yeah. as well. Whether you're using something from Side of the Golden Scissors mm-hmm. or Simplicity, take the pattern pieces <laughs> Take the pattern pieces and sew them together in this yeah. historically accurate yeah. way. J.P. Ryan, too. Yeah, or anything you can get your hands on. Yeah, there's nothing to Other say. Other brands we've forgotten about. That and there's lots and lots of them, and there's more coming out every day. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to say you can't just take those pattern shapes and sew them together in the 18th century way by mm-hmm. hand. So uh, there's there's not like a barrier there between the two. Now with fitment and and whatnot, 
that's where it gets a little trickier. But in the mm-hmm. book, we do try to show here's how you make your linen lining mm-hmm. and fit it on the body so that even if you're starting with a paper pattern that you cut out or a gridded pattern that you're not sure is going to fit you exactly, mm-hmm. um, here's how to fit it on your body before yeah. you go and make an entire gown that then doesn't fit. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but I've done that, and I still do that, <laughs> often. All the time. All the time. <laughs> Story of our lives. Yeah. So, But yeah, I mean, it was an interesting process, like the table of contents. And, and we, I think when we were done with the table of contents, we had so many projects. Oh my God, it was like 50 something. It was insane. And, and somehow most of them still managed to stay in the book, but a lot got cut. Yeah. A lot got cut. We have 40 projects in the book. Now four of those are gowns. <laughs> so they're massive. So it's like, I joked on Facebook one day, like a hundred easy steps to make an English gown. That wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> a joke. And those steps are beefy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's like five steps to make bits yeah. or five steps to make a cap. Um, so there's something kind of for everybody in there. Yeah. Um, the the other major, major intent with the book was to help people start to finish, create an entire ensemble. Yeah. It's not just about the dresses. And we no. said that all the way through from start, all the way through our live streams on Facebook, mm-hmm. everything about this. That's the whole point is so many times people are like, I've made this beautiful dress for whatever pattern, but I don't know how to get dressed or I don't have the underpinnings or mm-hmm. I don't have, what kind of hat do I wear with this? Am I supposed mm-hmm. to wear a cap? Do you wear a cap and a hat? Can I wear a cap with this? Or wait, I have to, do I have to make an apron? How do I level that petticoat? All this stuff, all of this experience that we've put together, Mm -hmm. you know, in one, in one volume, um, that's what we've tried to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it became, I'm really proud of it. And hopefully when people look at it. It's going to seem intimidating, I think, to a beginner sewer when they flip open to, you know, oh, I've always wanted to make a sack gown. And they open it up to the sack gown chapter. <laughs> and then they, like, ah! it, it, it's probably more of, like, a, <laughs> like, yeah. like a, a terrified whimper. Um, but, you know, that's not the chap- the section or the chapter that you're supposed to go to first. It's It's more about, like... Okay, well, what do you have already? Are you getting dressed correctly? There might be a better way for you to get dressed that we show you in the book. Or, hey, how about you make a little lace tucker to go with the sack gown that you've already made or, or a new kerchief or a cute little cap? Um, so it's a little bit more smaller projects that are easier to swallow. And, of course, we have guidelines over styling and fabric. <laughs> That's a fun author uh, story. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> the, the printed cotton. Oh, uh, printed cottons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like we really tried and to make it accessible for multitude of, of skill sets. So there's hopefully something for everybody. But yeah, we got I mean, a lot in there. But there's a lot that that isn't in there as no. well, just because of space. Yeah. The book's already a lot more pages than the publisher had anticipated. Forty extra pages were added to this book, and it's it is full color. There's a a lot of photos in there, mm-hmm. and a lot of text, and a lot of text, a lot of text, and citations. But it's it's also missing things. Like I yeah. would have loved to have been able to put more images of extant gowns. Yes, um, like Abby just mentioned mentioned the print, printed cottons, and yeah. we had this comment as well as it would have been nice to have a chart showing oh, different yeah. cottons oh, from different decades. But and we have to give a huge huge thank you to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and LACMA yeah. here. Because they're very progressive 
mm-hmm. policies about image use. And that and the Met actually, I think, went went copyright free when we were writing the book. Yeah. Because you and I were like, okay, well, we can use LACMA. Like, we cleared it with Clarissa. I talked to her about it. I understood. And then it was like in late February or right before we submitted the manuscript or right after. And the Met did the same thing that LACMA did. And it was like Christmas here because it totally changed what images we could use. Yeah. We were looking at, um, for anybody who's ever looked into getting anything published or printing anything about image use Mm -hmm. um, when images are copyrighted and image licensing. If you've ever bought stock images off of like Getty or anything like that, it's not cheap. Um, No. It depends on the uh, distribution Mm -hmm. and print run of the book. And so we were looking at like $500 and up per image. But what is a historical costume book without... Yeah. Without images of original gowns, yeah, right. So, and, and we did not have we didn't have anything. We didn't have an image purchasing budget. No, we didn't. It was very bootstrappy. Yeah, so it was sort of like, how are we gonna do this? I thought maybe I could draw things. Um, I did draw things. But oh yeah, there's many a doodle that did not make it into the book. When this news came out from the Metropolitan Museum in New York about hey, everything's in the public domain, mm-hmm. uh, copyright free. I think I wrote like six emails yeah. <laughs> to the Met just making positively sure. It's like, are we reading this correctly? Yeah, because the, the, usually the museums on their sites say something like, you're responsible for you know, knowing the copyright law. I know the copyright law really, really, really well. But it's suspicious when mm-hmm. a, an institution says, you can use these for print. And you're like, commercial use in a book and they're like yeah i'm like okay (laughs) here we go um so lacma uh la county museum um and 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 the met were both incredible resources and we were able to put images a few images of extant gowns Mm -hmm. and pieces of of fabric and whatnot Mm -hmm. in the book it's not as many as we wanted no. But they are in there to help back up all yeah. the shit we're saying. And, and also <laughs> the appendix has it has lists of, um, well, it has actual citations, so from primary sources or other secondary sources to back up some of the statements that we make in, in the book. And then we also have images that we couldn't get um, copyright for. So, like, for the example, the 17, 1760s, gown that we copied off of a Francis Coates portrait, but since it's held in the Tate in in England, we would have had to pay a very high uh, fee for the image right to that, and so we just couldn't afford to do that for the book. And so I, we cite the image so you can go and look it up yourself. But yeah, we don't have it in there. And it would have been amazing to have yeah, been able to have it would have, me yeah. n- on one page in the gown next to the closest thing I've ever had to a doppelganger, um, a historical doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but that, I mean, that was just, yeah. that just came down to finances. So some things we could include and some things we couldn't. But. Mm-hmm. So going into the actual production of the book. <laughs> Um, we did, when we made the decision, I've said this before too, when we've made the decision on how to photograph it and, and I photographed the bulk of it. Yes, you um, did. Chris, my husband, partner, Mr. Chris, who you sometimes get on the phone is a professional photographer and he taught me how to be a professional photographer, but he set up the lighting mm-hmm. in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, Abby pulled the trigger, Maggie pulled the trigger on a couple of these shoots as well. Mm-hmm. But all of the photos that are taken, uh, of hand, techniques where, where somebody is sewing, 
uh, we're shot on our work table in our office, and we have these wonderful big windows uh, on the front of our office. (laughs) And in the middle of summer, I was like, sunlight's great. What do you think, Chris? He's like, yeah, sunlight. You know, sunlight's the easiest to shoot. It's always beautiful. You don't have to deal with weird shadows and stuff. I think we should also preface by saying, for those of you who don't know, we're based out of Reno, Nevada. And how many days of sun on average is there a year? Oh, like 360. Yeah. like Not in 2016. Haha, jokes on us. Guess who brought the worst winter in like 10, 15 years Like daughter party sized winter. Yeah. So in the middle of winter, when we were actually doing these projects, it was snowing and raining slash snowing like every day. Yep. Which means it was very gray. Yep. Uh, at one point, our parking lot flooded. Yep. Um, like all of Reno flooded. And mm-hmm. there were these like massive trucks pumping our parking lot mm-hmm. uh, of water. Side note, that's when I adopted Doris, the elderly Boston Terrier. Yes. Yes. Uh, because <laughs> the Humane Society was flooding. Yes. Um, and we love her. And the light was shit. And the days are really short. Yes, because it's winter. So we'd get in and start sewing. Uh-uh. No, we'd get in, and I would pack orders from, like, 10 to 11, and then we would start sewing. That's right. So Because it was before we had Jenny. That's right. So we'd, we'd do our actual work, and then, <laughs> then we'd start sewing, and I would have to stop and photograph mm-hmm. every step of the way yeah. with this weak, horrible, gray light. Yeah. And this was something that was tricky for us in the process because when we had been doing the, t- the table of contents, you know, as, as sewers, we were used to having the stitches in a separate section of the book. And you just reference that section of the book as you go until you kind of get used to the terminology and the step-by-step. The, the editors and publishers wanted to try something different, which makes sense about incorporating the, the stitches into the book as you go. Um, and incorporating the how-tos of those different stitches in the different projects. The issue with this was we ended up photographing me hemming a thousand times because 18th century sewing is a lot of hemming. And it was just after a while, and we became very like, well, do we keep photographing me hemming? I mean, Jesus, we've gotten like a hundred of these photos already, but it's a different project in a different chapter of the book. It's like... And so that was always, that was a challenge for us as a, from a photography perspective, because we want to have enough images. The light was questionable and we had this table of contents that kind of required it, but we were just really unsure. Now the hilarity of the whole thing is once we submitted the the (laughs) final draft, our editors were like, let's put the stitches in the front of the book. And you're like, yes. Well, we we made a a decision to, and I, I had to clear this through the publishers as well, um, we did illustrations yes. for the stitches because I was imagining like a little bubble yeah. pop out showing the stitch throughout the book, which would have been really cool too. Um, so I drew all of these and yeah. then you know did them all in vectors. And they're, I'm very proud of my little stitchy images. Your stitch drawings are amazing. Woohoo! Art degree at work there. Um, and then in the end, uh, our editor was like, let's put these all at the beginning. And that's what we wanted all along. So we're like, yeah. yes, awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you reference back to it. Yeah. Um, so we had, yeah. <laughs> On top of all of this, our fabric choices were also photographically challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, we shot a lot of or we made stuff out of white or ivory. A lot of the gowns are white or ivory. Mm-hmm. Well, um, three out of four. Yeah. <laughs> um, the pink was no problem at all. Thank God yeah. it wasn't red. Uh, but the most challenging was actually the blue wool gown because yeah. that kind of cobalt, strong, French blue, um, the camera freaks out a little bit 
in its metering when mm-hmm. it looks at blue, um, just like when it looks at red. And sometimes, depending on the light and the metering, the, the camera will shoot blue as gray, mm-hmm. like very gray. Sometimes it wants to be very yellow in the photos. So, mm-hmm. I mean, not the blue itself, but the white balance. Sometimes it's a super saturated blue. It also yeah. depends on what else is in the photo with it, whether it's mm-hmm. a pair of hands or it's just the blue on its own. So every photo that I took of the English gown, which was the most photographed project we did because it was the first one, I had to balance that blue out manually mm-hmm. across like something like 400 photos. I Oh, my God. And then <laughs> carrying on from that, I had to make sure that the whites in the sack and the English gown and the 1790s Thanks. gown were not blown out mm-hmm. and that you could see the details. So this was like the se- – I was telling Chris this last night. This was like the seminal photographic – work of my life. You you did like a <laughs> master's. You have like, you, you should qualify for an MFA in photography my now. God. Yeah. It was so challenging. Uh, we had one project that was all black as well. Oh, black, the hat. <laughs> yeah. It was black taffeta. It's the braid hat and organza. And black reflects blue, the blue wavelength in sunlight. Um, extremely so. I had to work all of the blue out of mm-hmm. that and keep the definition in the black without without the black turning gray yeah. or green or something weird without blowing it out. Yeah. Um, so incredibly challenging to photograph this. Mm-hmm. The easiest pictures we took were the ones in the studio mm-hmm. with the light, uh, the lighting setup, uh, because I could edit all of those of a piece because the light was consistent. Yeah, so it was really easy. Also the most fun because we were all done with everything and yeah. put it on our bodies and got to play with it finally. Yeah. But. Oh, the outtakes for this book of my life. Hilarious. The other thing I was thinking of that I started giggling about was um, I got it in my mind because, you know, when you look at people's hands in sewing books, it can get kind of weird looking. And so I... Oh, God. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, I made a very... Bad decision. Bad decision <laughs> that... At least it's consistent throughout the first part of the book. Um, to get my nails done uh, in a nice red, which does contrast very nicely with the blue, so you can really see where I'm sewing. Um, but <laughs> but because of how the weather was through this whole shoot, uh, we had to do some reshoots for some of the things. So we had to fake some of the steps, right? And and the reshoots happened back in the spring, like in March and April, and my nails were not done. <laughs> So Lauren had to go back and like cut out <laughs> nail polish from one of the old photos and put it on my finger. <laughs> it's kind of zombie creepy. It's so funny. So it makes um, me laugh. If you can spot the photo that has the fake fingernail in it, uh, we will give you a free signed book. Go for <laughs> it. Test my Photoshop skills there. <laughs> I hope you remember which one of them. I don't like. remember. <laughs> Well, it's in my reshoot folder, so yeah. that would be a fun game. Is so find, funny. find Abby's uh, fake fingernail, <laughs> fake, fake fake Photoshop fingernail, fake Photoshop fingernail. Yeah. Oh my god! So that amazing. that was probably the biggest challenge mm-hmm. was the the number of hours per day that we had to sew mm-hmm. and photographing. Which is not it. very much. No, it was only a couple hours. Um, so we we shipped in some help <laughs> in the in the form of Maggie Roberts. Maggie Roberts, who we cannot thank enough no. for coming out here and spending how long was she here? Six weeks. Yeah, it was like six to eight weeks. Yeah, because she, she had seven, we six we six split custody of her too. We did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Maggie came out. I think it was seven weeks total in January of last of this year. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah. sewed and sewed and sewed like the wind. Like she just sewed like a crazy person. Yeah. Cannot thank her enough. Um, and she appears on the cover of the book. That's Which her. We're that's her back and booty. So excited about because it was our. It, it made us excited because it was our way of getting her on the cover of the book. Yeah, as well. And, she, and of course, she's. We made everything um, in the Italian gown chapter for Maggie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she modeled for us yeah. as well. So she's in there. She looked like she walked out of a portrait. It was stunning. So pretty. I remember doing that photo shoot, and we were all just... Maggie had no idea what she looked like. Like, none. And and you and I were just sitting there going, Oh, my God! Oh, my God! She you look so, so perfect! You look like you walked out of a portrait! Oh, my God! You look amazing! That was true of every photo shoot except mine. <laughs> you looked amazing. I'm really proud of the photos I got of you in that. I looked like a 1740s... Um, fishmonger's wife. <laughs> you looked perfect. You <laughs> looked like you walked out of a Hogarth. It's a flower monger. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Maggie came out and helped us. We could not have finished. We just would no, not have finished those projects done. without her. Mm-mm. And so thank you for, for Maggie and thank you for Albert, her husband, mm-hmm. for letting us have her for seven weeks yeah. in the middle of the year. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. So we did complete it just by the skin of our teeth because after... After making the projects, of course, we had to write the tutorials. Yeah. I, I think that's like it is like we always talk about the making process, but we we never really talk about. We wrote everything too, so I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but we took all the photos. Lauren doodled all the doodles. We sewed all the projects. We patterned all the projects. We then put those projects onto gridded vector yeah. pattern They're either on il- grid, Illustrator, which was tricky to figure it out figure that out for um and then we had digitizing to, to research and write the actual information content in a way that made any kind of sense at all and was concise and didn't take up a lot of space <laughs> which was actually very difficult yeah because 18th century dressmaking is not something that really lends itself particularly well to a step one step two yeah. step three then this then that it's hard and very, fast rules yeah don't always exist it's as very much hands-on. as people would like to try and put them onto the 18th century they don't actually exist so you might <laughs> run into parts of the book that you feel a little frustrated about yeah. where we say things like just go for getting this seam in this general area yeah because it Ish. as abby says it's not a hard and fast rule it's and more like guidelines really more like guidelines are <laughs> 18th century dressmaking <laughs> guidelines so <laughs> that was terrible so guidelines and there's there's gonna be some frustration around that but yeah. you, we we cannot and we did not want to imply that you can mm-hmm. pin it down to a hard and fast rule and that's mm-hmm. very very important to remember and i think also part of it is since we made these gowns within within a, a timeline spectrum, so the English gowns 1740s, but as you all know, or at least I know a lot of you all know who are fans of making 18th century clothing, that the pleated back gown, you see it up through the mid-1770s. So a 1740s gown is not going to look like a 1770s gown. And so we didn't want to accidentally put the fear of Jesus in anybody when it comes to dressmaking because <laughs> we wanted you to be able to take the knowledge and the skill, but adapt it to what you're trying to do. Um, and and we try to encourage you all to do that throughout the book. It might get lost. Some people might not read that. And obviously there are some of y'all out there who really want us to tell you exactly how to do this and to the to the centimeter. And well, you've always experienced that with me where you go, Abby, what is this? And I'm like, Meow. 
Yes, that's, that is a, a formative experience in my relationship with Abby is back when we were both just, just blogging. Yeah. You were working for Williamsburg and I was, yeah. I was making stuff and, and researching things. And I would, I messaged you, I think this was about the Polonaise or, the or Turk, something yeah. in the Turk. And I was like, what is this? And she wouldn't tell me. And I'm like, ah, you're withholding information. And the fact is that she wasn't, Abby was not withholding information. Mm. There just isn't a clear answer. And that's like all the way through. Mantua makers, every one of them did something a little bit yeah. different from the, the previous one. Milliners all had their own ways, their yeah. secret ways. And so when you look at extant gowns, mm-hmm. you see some funky stuff going on. Oh, hell yeah. And you see some consistencies as well. Yes, you do. But just because there's... But there's guidelines. Yes. Just they're not the rule. This type of seam on the back of that mm-hmm. Italian gown doesn't mean that it's always that type of seam mm-hmm. on the back of it an Italian gown. It just means that's the most dominant variation that I have seen. Yeah. Or in our book, we wanted to show a technique that differed mm-hmm. from something in a previous chapter. Yes. So all of our sleeves, that's an excellent point. And I don't know if we've ever made this point on the live stream. All of our sleeves are constructed in different ways to show you the different ways you can construct a sleeve. Pick one that works best for you. Like. Yeah, just because, and this this I think is a little bit obscured, just because we do a split sleeve for the 1780s Italian gown does not mean that a two-piece sleeve is incorrect no. or inaccurate. The opposite, in fact. We needed to make a choice, mm-hmm. um, but it comes back to... You being responsible for your own research and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. There's been times after we finished the book, mm-hmm. before the printing of it, and, and it was just in PDF form. Mm-hmm. I was making remaking my yellow old yellow 1740s 50s mm-hmm. gown into an Italian gown, and I was like, "Oh wait, how do we do that sleeve again?" And I opened the PDF and I looked at our own instructions <laughs> because I was like, "That was a really clever way to do that that I had not used that technique before." Yeah. Um, so some really cool stuff that's going to save you a lot of time mm-hmm. um, and, and hopefully becomes a reference like that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make the gowns one, two, three, step one, two, three. No. You can use bits and bobs throughout yeah. the different techniques throughout. Yeah. If you want to run those long skirt seams on a machine, go tell me. we're not telling you not to do that. Whatever makes you happy. If you want to know how to do them in the 18th century way, that's in there. If, yep. you, if you're like, oh, huh, I want to sew everything by hand or I, I'm using silk taffeta mm-hmm. and I don't want it to rumple um, or whatever reason it is, we help you do that. But mm-hmm. by no means have we ever and will we ever imply that people must sew things in a historically accurate way. Yeah. When 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 people do do that, it makes me uncomfortable because, and this has been an ongoing conversation, especially recently, and we're recording this on Thursday the 16th. So just a few days ago, a couple of bloggers and friends actually did some really great blog posts about the idea of, of costuming and reenacting and the snark and being nice. And, you know, we're all in it for our own reasons. And, you know, for us, it's, it's it's not about what we want, and we're never going to... I don't care. If you want to make a polonaise or a sack gown out of an old bed sheet that you had in the 80s because it makes you think of your grandma and it just makes you feel good inside, go to town. I don't care. Like, And don't ever apologize for making a creative choice that makes you happy. It's about making yourself happy. Yeah, this and, is supposed to be fun. And this book is supposed to help you have that kind of fun. Yeah, um, it's an exploration. Um, 
Abby and I really enjoy the hand techniques mm-hmm. that Mantua makers 300 years ago, 250 mm-hmm. years ago, used to make the gowns. I, f- I get a kick out of that. I'm like, this is really interesting. Hell, the I who, just, what, and why, and how of it. Well, hell, I was, I'm making a 19, uh, I'm making a vintage repro pattern of a 1960 party dress right now. And, and I just looked at the machine instructions and I was like, oh, fuck this, man. I cannot deal. I attached and gathered the skirt in an 18th century way. And then I <laughs> hand stitched the zipper in using top stitches and applique stitches because it was just so much easier. Yeah, it's, it's what you're familiar with. Yeah. And that's totally fine. We're not going to stand here and pretend that we've never made mistakes. I still make mistakes, man. Sewing is hard. I kind of suck at it. We all suck at it. (laughs) I make stupid decisions all the time. Well, that was the fun game with us during this whole process. We started playing the who's who's overthinking it game. Because one of the three of us, Lauren, me, or Maggie, or Lauren, Maggie, or I... um, or Lauren, Maggie, and me. I don't know. Anyways, grammar, whatever. Um, <laughs> well, there was no doubt during each project that we would all reach a one of us would reach a point where we would start to have this little panic attack and start to really overthink the process. And it was always the other person's jobs to look at that that one like isolated sewer and go, "You're overthinking it. You're really overthinking it." No, I'm not overthinking it. <laughs> Yeah, you are. You're really overthinking it. It's, it's not fine. as hard as you're making it seem. Yeah. And then, like, 30 minutes later, like, okay, yeah, I guess I was overthinking it. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It was <laughs> doing the book, writing it, um, I think the highest stress level was at the end, mm-hmm. working up to that deadline. And we were right smack on that deadline as well. The um, how to's. The writing the how-tos, editing it, and we mm-hmm. all edit like Abby and I both edited each other's text. And the one, Maggie edited our text. Yeah. And the one <laughs> thing that we made a mistake on that we won't do again because we know better now is, and part of it was just we were so stressed for time, is that Lauren had a different, um, you had a different mentality when you were editing the text, and I had a different mentality, and so we weren't we weren't necessarily. Editing to the same exact end. And sorry, I just moved the wire. Same exact end goal, and so sometimes we would end up circling around each other, like re-editing the other person's edits. Uh, Selvage is a really good example of this. Oh, this, is, so this is such a funny argument that we had because I was spelling Selvage the American way because that's what the Googles told me to do, and Lauren was spelling it the English way because that's how I learned it. That's how she learned it. And so she was editing my salvage to her standard, and then I was going back and editing her salvages back to my standard, and we really went into this massive circle of salvages. And then I was just like, what are you doing? And she was like, you're spelling it wrong. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. And she's like, yes, you are. I'm like, the Googles told me. I checked it on the Googles. And she's like, well, look, Google says this. And then and I was like, okay, fine. I was like, this must be like a UK. It's somehow the UK well, for- US thing. Uh, for the record, um, <laughs> salvage the way that I spell it, which which is with the word edge at the end, yeah. E-D-G-E, uh, according to the 18th century, is wrong. <laughs> and I know this now because I went on a um, salvage word search bender <laughs> in some original 18th century books a couple nights ago, and it is <laughs> it is spelled S-E-L-V-A-G-E. Well, well it's uh, 18th just, century. They spell everything every Which is how, it's, how we ended up spelling the yeah. book. But little things like this. So but we ended up going through like vintage sewing books in, in the library here in the office. And I was like, it's spelled this way. It's spelled this way. It was hilarious. 
So back and forth on that stuff. And, and <laughs> another fun story is, um, which Abby mentioned at the beginning of this now getting quite long podcast is, oh, no, um, we're fine. We're good. Is the printed cottons. Um, we mentioned that we, we can, did not include or couldn't include photographs in there, which is um, import, unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But I said to Abby one day, I'm like, Abby, we're writing about cotton in the Italian gown. Write me a cotton essay. I need an essay about printed cotton. And it was like, I need this, this, and this. And, and I was like, how so, long do you think I should dude, write this? Dude, Abby wrote like a six-page research essay on hey man, grad printed school. cottons. I tell you, grad school is good for making you able to write at length. I used to be so good at really concise <laughs> writing, and now it's just like, let me just pontificate on top of Which on top drives of me insane. Yeah. So I got, it wasn't six pages, it was like four pages. It was, it was very, very long. But it was tricky because the thing is, is there's so much going into printed cottons, and this is, and it was one of those questions that everyone always talks about. If you go into any sewing group, we get emails about it, messages about it. What cotton should I use? What cotton should I use? Is this okay? Is this print okay? It's really hard for us as costumers because, you know, if you go to like a big box sewing store like Joanne's Fabrics, you can find a lot of printed cottons that look kind of oldie-timey, but they are not 18th century oldie-timey. They're they're perfect for the 1830s and 40s. Yeah, but it's just so... (laughs) Difficult, and there's so much information coming out about printed cottons. Every day, it feels like that it's just a lot more information to cram in there. Where like wool and silk and everything and linen is just kind of like, yeah, here you go. Yeah. Like, so Abby gave me this essay. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, this is way too long. And I knew so, it too. I was yeah, like, we were both there's like, no there's no room in the yeah, end for this, this essay. This is an entire like half of the book. So. We ended up cutting that down. I think you and I both took two swipes at it. We cut it down to like two pages, I think. We cut it completely in half. We got it down. It's one page in the book with that tiny type. But that was not... After maybe. the script we submitted, that was that was the after edits that we got back, and they were like, "Y'all need to cut this down." <laughs> and we were like, "Okay, so bullet points and very little information as it is." Yeah, so we we we'll take, put some citations in the back so you can read about it yourself. We take a swipe at printed cottons, but by no means is, is our essay in the book no. a a, uh, a in depth no source. It's more like here's a general. Really overarching guide to what to not buy yeah. at the fabric store which, with no pictures. Sorry. Yeah, which basically comes down to cabbage roses. Don't do it. Don't do it. Pastel yellow backgrounds with blue flowers. Don't Ooh. do that. I mean, and the thing is, like, arguably, to be fair, I'm sure there probably was an original that looked like that, but I just cannot. It just looks so Joanne's quilting corner. And, and I'm sorry for those of you who have yellow gowns with blue flowers. I'm sure you look beautiful in them, but it's, it's it just doesn't look the same. Yeah. Are you looking at the essay now? I oh am. my god, it's so tiny. It's really, really small. So it's <laughs> like four bullet points of colors, block printing scale, mm-hmm. keep it natural, and then four bullet points of what to avoid at the fabric store. Yeah. And we do have a couple of, um, we have one swatch in here because yeah. these two gowns are not actually printed. No. It's and hilarious. that was, yeah, this one's the a great shot of, uh, and that's, that fabric's actually from a sack. Oh. It's not even, yeah, see what yeah. Bella Fonsi. But it's a gorgeous printed cotton. So you get one picture. But this is, uh, the give and take of writing a book is, there's mm-hmm. the idea, it's like, the, it's like a, uh, a funnel, right? Yeah. You start at the top with this huge idea and the mm-hmm. scale of the project is daunting and it's massive. And then when you get down to the bottom 
And it's not just our hands that touched all of this. No, there, a lot the of people editor, we don't even know. The copy editor, I mean, Design. the guys that did layouts. There were things that were omitted um, that we didn't even realize were omitted yeah. until after we got like the final and, PDF. And some of our stuff was edited after we edited it too. And then we had the review and, and one of the essays had lost a bunch of the citations, but the citations were still in the back of the book and the numbering was all off. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm glad you caught that. And I was like, yeah. I didn't write this. This has been edited again. And so we had to go back and re-edit it to make sure that the citations actually made logical sense yeah. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And so like we lost all of the gown variation um, parts. We Lauren cut did out. So many, you did so many great doodles. Well, and I like put them on the blog. Yeah. I know. Doodles. But it's like, I guess, and I was telling her about this too. One of the things I've always loved about your blog was the fact that you could illustrate and render your designs in such a way that was just really fun to look at. Like I've always enjoyed looking at your drawings. And so I was bummed that they weren't in the book because I feel like they're one of your, I guess, cornerstones. Like, well, there's some, there's some, so there's there's a troubleshooting guide in the back Mm -hmm. of the book with some very small doodles. Uh, with some common problems Baby like doodles. like uh, rumples in the bodice, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, if the t- back's too tight. Saggy or, sack back. Yeah, or your hoops are, are Droopy. the weird shape or whatever whatever it is. We tried to kind of hit on If your hoops don't things. hit where your hips are, <laughs> they look like you have a growth down around your kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or if you don't if you don't cut your Italian gown front piece, bodice front piece on the bias, yeah. uh, little things like that. And... We tried to evaluate and diagnose these with, mm-hmm. and they give you fixes for them. So we don't go into a lot of depth about mm-hmm. the troubleshooting. Um, I imagine that's something that's going to come out later mm-hmm. when we supplement this with stuff on the blog. Mm-hmm. We've already found one thing, thanks to Jennifer Rosebrook, mm-hmm. that we've created a supplement for, um, which is in the Italian gown chapter, we never really talk about skirt panels. Because going back to what we said earlier, when we originally started writing this book, it was working on the idea that you were going to be working off of a pattern like Janet Arnold or Nora Waugh. But we realized after, like with Jennifer, people won't necessarily read the book that way, especially since we added the lining yeah. patterns into yeah. it too. And every other g- gown chapter has a diagram of some kind about the skirts, mm-hmm. the width, how to draw the trade on, how to mm-hmm. do the gore. Uh, the gusset, the gore, the, gores. the gore yeah. in the <laughs> we'll in the, uh, in the sack, but there's nothing like that in the Italian gown chapter because it's just basically rectangular patterns. Yeah, and now I'm panels. thinking like, oh, we could have used a diagram here, a diagram there. So obviously the book's already printed, but we still have the blog and Facebook and whatnot to put more information out on. So we've created essentially a gridded gown pattern for the Italian gown as a guide that we'll put up. Um, probably today, (laughs) (laughs) for everybody to download and use. Um, In addition, you could use, you know, any of the gridded patterns or patterns from Janet Arnold or what have you, all the usual references. Which which was our original tent, like I said, and actually brings up the other massive change in the book is that originally we weren't going to have anything with gown patterns in the book because, like we've said now a few times, the idea was to think of it and write the book from the perspective of a costumer who has a pattern in front of them. But this whole debate over, do we include patterns from other companies? What kind of references are we going to do in the back of the book? And, and the way we kind of met in the middle and after having you know long conversations with, with our editor trying to figure out the best way to do this um, was to pattern the linings of the gowns so you all would have them as references um, 
And that was done way last minute, like after the manuscript was submitted. Yeah. It was done in March. That was a little bit of a, woohoo, here we yeah. go. All right. Yeah. And so. Pull out all those paper patterns <laughs> yes. that you've thankfully traced because. Yeah. <laughs> usually I don't. I'm just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Right. Amazingly, despite the fact that the sewing space of the office was a complete disaster, um, we managed to keep all of the paper patterns <laughs> for everything. And then I was able to pull uh, patterns from the gown linings because yeah, I had kept the muslins yeah. of everything, and so and then so I drew them to normal paper, and then Lauren converted them to which was tricky. I've never done that before, but an amazing team effort. I mean, everything in this book really is like you and I had our hands in everything, really. Yeah. When so it comes to how did I do that? I I took the full size, mm-hmm. and then I. You counted the squares. I counted this because you did it on grid paper. Yeah, or most you scanned of them. them. <laughs> so I, I took the full-size paper patterns, which you had done almost all of them on grid paper. Yeah. Thank God. And I counted the squares and I charted it on a 8.5 by 11 grid that I printed out, mm-hmm. um, which which was what I had in Adobe Illustrator. Um, so I drew them by hand and then I scanned it in and then I went over it with the vector lines mm-hmm. and then made all the notes and yada, yada, yada mm-hmm. and laid it all out. Um, so it, it was time consuming and challenging. And but I'm, I'm really proud of you should be. I how those awesome. gridded patterns came out. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is great. Um, cool. So hopefully they'll be useful. Um, we're very, 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 very proud of the work that we've created. Um, as artists in, in different fields, everybody who, who is artistic, knows this feeling of you create something and immediately you're kind of like over it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I'm still recovering, I think, more than you. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I look at the work and I'm like, damn, we did good work. We yeah. tried to do something with, with good intent to help the community. We used knowledge from both of our, our blogging and our educations and especially, Abby, with your education – and working at Williamsburg mm-hmm. and all of this yeah. came into this book together. My trial and error, mm-hmm. learning things, my own research. I mean, we really, really combined together mm-hmm. to create this for the community. And we couldn't have done it without the community no. either. Because why? there would be no reason for no. it. There would never be a book deal if people didn't follow my blog. No. If we didn't have the internet and this you know, community full of... Mm-hmm. Thousands and thousands of historic costumers, our mm-hmm. tribe, yeah. looking for this information. And I really, really want to stress that there needs to be the next wave of yeah. authors. Mm-hmm. There needs to be other people writing more books. So we've seen, like, Kendra wrote her hair and yeah. wig styling book, and it was fabulous. Yeah. And we've had more books coming out. The V&A books coming out well, just are the, incredible. The shift towards self-publishing being a viable option has completely changed the publication game. But the problem is, is so many of those books that are self-published need to be mass-produced. Yeah, and they're um, not. So we have these really not. short runs. So mm-hmm. we feel incredibly thankful to Page Street Publishing mm-hmm. for giving the, this opportunity to create yeah. a mass-produced, internationally distributed mm-hmm. book that we had an extraordinary amount of control over. We did. And we I, did. I hope that, I feel like we've created a book unlike anything created before. A <laughs> yeah, a cre- we created a monster. <laughs> uh, but it, it would not Roughly have been possible <laughs> without all of these people that helped us. Yeah. So I personally want to thank, again, Maggie, 
the Metropolitan Museum of Art mm-hmm. and LACMA. I want to thank Abby, of course. Thank your husband, girl. I, I we wanna, wouldn't have photos if it wasn't for him. <laughs> I want to thank Chris um, for putting up with the disaster that the office was yeah. in. So and thanks for, to him for setting up the photo studio, for teaching you how to be an amazing photographer, for putting up with with all us. of our all of our bullshit. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, we had our little emotional breakdowns oh, and all of that throughout this process. There was blood, sweat, and tears with every chapter of the book. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely blood. Um, <laughs> Lots of blood. Brain hat. Uh, I want to, obviously, to sound kind of cliche, I have to thank my parents because my parents mm-hmm. allowed me to go to art school yes. and explore that avenue that mm-hmm. has led to being able to illustrate and digitize mm-hmm. and photograph and do composition and all of this. They never told me I couldn't be creative and that yeah. I couldn't be creative Mine as a too. professional. Mine too. My mom was like, you go do you, boo. Just be the best at it. That's always what my dad said, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, for me, in my history, you know, I wouldn't be able to, to have done anything that I did if I hadn't had the multiple opportunities working at Colonial Williamsburg. You know, it totally changed my life, and it totally changed how I was able to view dress history. It's what really lit the spark in me and made me go, frankly, a little wackadoodle when I was about 21 years old after my my internship there. Janae Whitaker, the mistress of the millinery shop, I mean, that woman is just, well, she's a genius and she's brilliant anyways. But she she allowed me the ability to go fail and to go succeed and to go explore and to go learn and study and create. And she pushed me to figure it out myself and, and become a mantua maker in my own right. And Linda Baumgarten's just well, she was always like the Anna Wintour to me anyway, <laughs> like fashion curators. Um, but she was just an amazing woman to talk to. And every time I had a chance to sit down with Linda, I would always pick her brain and ask for her advice and her input. And, you know, and Mark Hutter's a genius. Oh, everyone, you know, Mark and Neil and Mike and Sarah. And now Rebecca's working there and she's amazing. It's, and Brooke, oh my God, I can't forget Brooke. Brooke was the one who really taught me like how to drape, like, and how to cut to the body. Brooke Wellborn's amazing. So, yeah. yeah. So we, and of course, we want to thank you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, I've said While it before. Listening to us. Without you guys Buying our following book. along, making dressmaking, historic dressmaking, historic costuming a viable hobby, <laughs> <laughs> and being interested in wanting this kind of resource, yeah. we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been here. So we're so excited. If you want to yes. buy our book. We're selling it on our mm-hmm. website. Uh, we're selling signed copies. Mm-hmm. Make sure you check the little box that says signed yes, copies. Please. Yes, please. Otherwise, we're going to send you a non-signed copy. Yes. Uh, we're going to do a giveaway as well. Yeah. You can get it anywhere. You can get it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You can get Barnes it on Noble. Barnes & Noble. Any major bookseller mm-hmm. in just about every country in the world yeah. that has mm-hmm. online book sales. Yeah. And um, it's really it's really lovely and cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very cheap for what you get. It's like 240-something pages, mm-hmm. full color, um, all the pretty Jammed gamuts. packed full of patterns and grids and yeah. how-tos. And it's retail is like 24-something, 22-something, and it's like on Amazon for like 15 bucks now. Yeah, um, we're selling it for 16 as well because yeah. we can't compete with Amazon. If you, if you 
listen to this podcast like a year or two from now, I wouldn't wager they'd be more expensive on Amazon unless something's happened with the print run, like they sold out or or I don't know. But I doubt we'll go through 12,000 plus copies <laughs> that quickly. I mean, if we do, that's awesome. But Yeah, um, and you might see it in museum gift shops. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Newport has mm-hmm. their copies as well. Yeah. And I believe that... Um, We've sent some information to other museums. I hope mm-hmm. LACMA carries it. I hope William, Williamsburg has it. Yeah. Um, so we hope you're happy with it. Mm-hmm. This day, this day that the book is coming out now, you guys are, some of you guys are receiving it, or you'll yeah. get it in the next few days. We're nervous, but we're excited, and we hope you love it. Yeah, and thank you guys so thank much. You. Yeah, Yeah, we really hope you love the book. This has been Fashion History with American Duchess, um, all about the American Duchess Guide to 18th Century Dressmaking, the behind the scenes. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Lauren Stoll. And I'm Abby Cox. And you can find us on Facebook uh, at with American Duchess, Instagram at American Duchess. Our website is AmericanDuchess.com. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. We have this podcast. Have Subscribe if you haven't already. We have the blog, which is blog.americanduchess.com. And all of this will be found in the bottom of the info section of this podcast episode. (laughs) So until next time, uh, we love you guys and we'll see you next time. Happy reading. Bye. Bye!